1: Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Too Many Captains Productions. Find us at a moviepodcast.com on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. And now, here comes a new episode of Collateral Cinema. I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Ortagon.
2: I'm Ashley Chancellor. This is Collateral Cinema. Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We're podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, be it dabs, blunts, bongs, or joints, smoke it if you've got it. And happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Yo, happy Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. Where's Dakota at? Yeah, Good question. And, and what, what
0: is he going to be for Halloween? He's going to be a twink. A twink oh, a twink. wow. <laughs>
2: what the fuck? Jesus Christ, bro. Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, don't listen to him at all. Don't listen to Ash.
1: <laughs> I was going to say he could be the other Zach and Cody twin. I don't know. What do you think, Ash? Dylan or Cole Sprouse. <laughs> <laughs> Not the
0: blue one, okay? <laughs> the other one.
2: Oh, that's funny, dude. Oh, my God. Already, this is becoming a spooky episode, right? Yeah, Halloween special, Boy Meets World style. Boy Meets World style. Oh, yeah. Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. Ken and Kel, and, Halloween specials. Oh, there oh, we go. Remember those? Oh, Kenan and Kel. Oh, shit. That is awesome mm-hmm. right there. Something that you don't know anything about, right, Ash? Have you
1: ever seen Are, Are You Afraid of the Dark, dude? It's the greatest shit ever. I have you seen Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh, yeah. Yeah, with your mom. Oh, wow. Uh, no, just kidding. Damn it. Are we really are we really resorting to mom jokes on here no, now? No, that's, that's too old. We're not five anymore, right? Yeah. yeah.
2: I think that we need to stay within the spirit of the holiday.
1: Yeah. It's extra spooky well, you know what? and horrific. Let's take all that back. I'm sorry, Ash. That's not what your mom said last night. I don't care what she said.
2: Oh my God. These, Just these don't the tell me about it.
1: Just don't tell me about it, Ash. I
2: don't care. Anyway, happy Halloween once again, everybody. We are back with another horror movie on in what is indisputably the month of horror movies. I mean, I hope that everybody out there is just watching every horror movie that you can find. I don't care if it's like the most bargain basement like dollar movie that you can find uh, at, at Dollar General or whatever. Yeah.
1: Some people just resort back to the originals. I mean, that's what we do, right? Oh, all the time. I mean, I, mean, I have to put every halloween movie on in october just watch
2: them all in order it. yeah all in order yeah. exactly
0: including halloween
2: oh of course yeah the halloween we movie. were
0: we were going to do halloween actually but then they ended up uh, suspending it till next year we were doing
2: halloween kills
0: oh yeah halloween yeah, kills yeah, yeah.
1: they're supposed to be out this year but they postponed it and we were totally
2: going to do an episode about it but yeah. you know it was
1: going to be this episode
2: oh yeah, yeah. It was going to be this episode right here, but, you know, COVID and all. COVID.
0: Shit happens.
2: Yep, shit happens. Doesn't it, though? I
0: mean, it really is a scary year, so this is going to be a scary month. I, mean, I, I, I think people should just dress up as, as COVID.
2: Oh, definitely.
0: <laughs> or or dress up as, as Donald Trump.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. No, dress up like Karen. Another- have, you, have you seen that Karen mask? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Is there a
1: Karen mask? There's totally
2: a Karen mask, and it's frightening. But anyway, this movie that we are focusing on for our Halloween special is actually quite appropriate for this current time in our zeitgeist, kind of.
0: It does kind of fit the climate, doesn't it?
2: Very much so. And, of course, we are talking about the all-time classic The progenitor of the zombie genre, George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, straight from 68, right? 1960. 1960. Yeah, that's right. Oh, man. This movie is pretty much the beginning of modern horror, at least for me. Like, some would argue that maybe when you go back to, like, Psycho, that's kind of where it starts to kind of make that shift, but... Mm. I don't know, there's just something about this movie where there's just grittiness, there's gore. I mean, there's a heavy social commentary in this movie, which we'll get into here in a little bit. But we have this movie playing in the background, and man, this movie means a lot to so many people. And it means a lot to me as well. Yeah, I, I have to watch
1: this every Halloween, you know.
2: Yeah, it's pretty much required viewing. And it's also appropriate because it originally came out, I think, October 1st. Yeah. In the the 60s.
1: October 1st in theaters. And I saw one of the original release dates. Yeah. Initial release date was like October 4th. I'm not sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, And that was about 52 years ago. Yeah. This was recently, it was the 52nd anniversary of Night of the Living Dead.
1: Long time ago. Yeah.
2: And this movie, it's... It somehow manages to be timeless, but still a product of its time in so many ways.
0: Yeah, but, you know, it's interesting, too, because there's so many things about this film that feel ahead of its time. You know what I mean? there's 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 progressive elements to it. I mean, notwithstanding, of course, the fact that we've got, you know, a black actor portrayed as the as the protagonist. and there's not even a point that's made about that. I mean, George Romero didn't do that on purpose. George Romero picked a black actor because he just simply was the best fit, you know? it, it that that's all that it was. Is he was the best actor, you know, for for that role,
2: yeah. And it's easy to see why because, This actor, what was his name? It was Dwayne Jones, right? Dwayne Jones, yeah. Yeah. This guy just takes control of this movie. I mean, he is like the main focus of the movie as far as I'm concerned. And I mean, he casts a commanding performance over everybody else in this movie. It's more of a stage actor, Phil, right? Yeah, in many ways, there's parts of this movie that does feel like a stage play.
1: Yeah, inside a boarded-up house.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of it that happens in a single environment. I mean, in just a single house. Like, there's different places within the house that they go, but usually it's really just the living room and the cellar that you see them, and outside. Yeah, when they... Start setting
1: stuff on fire to keep all the ghouls away. Right?
2: Yeah, and and that—that's the point that you need to make. Is like these are ghouls; they're not zombies yet. That hadn't, of course, that hadn't been invented yet. That terminology hadn't happened yet. So,
0: yeah, the the term hadn't been coined yet—at least not in its current form. I mean, I believe it—the Haitian term, right? Originally,
2: I mean, zombies at first when they were shown in popular culture, they weren't really like reanimated corpses that were lusting after brains or flesh as it were they were kind of presented in at least what could be seen as a stereotypical type of voodoo ritual more or less yeah and and it was a ritual that actual voodoo priests did i mean of course they used uh, i I believe they used the toxin uh, that is derived from the puffer fish to pretty much Make people kind of go into this uh, coma, pretty much. And eventually the person that they targeted would eventually come out of that coma. And that would have the illusion of, you know, coming back from the dead.
1: Okay. I've seen that That's in the interesting. Movie. Buried Alive.
2: Yeah, there, there's something similar to that in Buried Alive. And we'll get into some of the other zombie movies that we've seen here in a little while.
1: There's some different Buried Alive. Not, not the one we're talking about.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But... This movie, it it follows seven people. They're trapped in a farmhouse. This is in western Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, exactly. And this farmhouse, it's just the center stage for a struggle of the ages in many ways. The middle of nowhere, really. Yeah. It's it's not just a struggle between the zombies and the humans. It's a struggle between the humans themselves. I mean, conflict is constantly present in this movie. Yeah, and I like the... Throughout most
0: of the movie, there's not even a lot of zombie action. It's just a lot of the tenseness of the situation Mm. and and the conflict that's happening between the humans, which is prevalent in a lot of, uh, I think, zombie media today. Like you have like The Walking Dead or The Last of Us, which are also stories that feature zombies but tend to focus on on the human aspect of, you know, how would humans react in this scenario? So it, it really all draws back to this film, the original zombie film. I mean, hell, even the fact that they never use the
2: word zombie
0: that's a trope that's repeated in most zombie movies you know is is that zombies don't exist in fiction and and their world
2: yeah i mean all of that is just hard baked into the genre starting here this is the er example of all of those tropes
0: yeah exactly and it all comes from here i mean they haven't they didn't start eating brains yet i think that came in one of the shameless ripoffs. Um, or one of the sequels to this, or that started becoming a thing. Maybe but the of idea the dead, of
1: know. yeah, Shaun yeah, Sean of the Dead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the idea of like cannibalist—that's a great movie. Yeah, <laughs> but
1: whatever.
0: the idea of cannibalistic undead corpses, you know, is it, slow moving. You know, really owes itself back to the original George Romero film, and I think you know, over time we've become desensitized to that idea. But at the time this must've been terrifying. And I know this movie was controversial too for its, its use of gore and and violence.
2: Yeah. So much of this just had not been seen before in movies. I mean, you can argue that, Early, early on in the history of cinema, there was some allusions to graphic violence. But this right here is when it actually was just laid bare and was just extremely visceral. You actually see the flesh and the sinew and the guts and everything.
0: So did you know that the actors were eating ham that was covered in chocolate? And so they were actually like getting like pale. And because it was so disgusting that they didn't need to put makeup on them anymore. Yeah,
2: that is fucking horrid. I, 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 think that that, I think that they got most of the parts for this from a local butcher. And uh, there's a story, I don't know if it's apocryphal or if it's been confirmed, that eventually some of the guts spoiled and they had I, to use it anyway. Oh, so,
1: shit.
2: Hell yeah. Yeah, they were using rotting meat in a lot of these scenes. And that I'm like oh that makes me just bleh. real effects. That's some know, Kubrickian writers. shit right there, right? Oh god, <laughs> it's like
1: man! Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like really you know, Even
2: Texas Chainsaw Massacre wasn't that gross. No, but you know, a real live version. Yeah, maybe.
0: I mean, yeah, it's gross. I mean, they they it's fully out there, and it kind of seems. I, I would say this this movie might seem tame by today's standards in a lot of ways. It's really not. It's not that bad, but at the time, I mean, this yeah. was huge. We'd never seen this in cinema, especially not in something so mainstream, I I would say. Or I don't know if the, if this was mainstream at the time or if maybe it was more of a cult thing. It's certainly mainstream now.
2: I'm pretty sure that it was kind of a flop, right, Robert? It didn't. What, what did it gross? It, it was a $114,000 budget.
1: Yeah, it grossed like 250 times its budget, really.
2: Yeah, but initially when it was released,
1: the actual budget was like 114,000. And uh, the gross was like 12 million domestically, US. Wow, really? It was that kind of successful? Yeah, and 18 million internationally, earning 250 times its worth, you know? God damn.
0: Well, yeah. So I guess it it really did make its money. I mean, obviously it spawned a lot of sequels and ripoffs and remakes, but from what I'm aware of, I mean, it it was that it's time still regarded as more of a cult classic because it was it was heavily
2: criticized. And now it's become something so much more than what it originally was. I mean... Especially now, that you know, film scholars have pretty much dissected this movie to no end. Especially with the social commentary that is present in the film. But, I mean, Romero says that he didn't really do that intentionally. And that, I mean, he just wanted to make a silly, dumb B-movie, pretty much. That's what he was setting out to do. But, I mean... This movie is so impactful, especially when you consider the politics of the time. I mean, this came out with the backdrop of the civil rights movement, of the war in Vietnam that was going on around that time, or I think it was about to really explode, as it did. And I really see a lot of interesting parallels with what's going on today, especially with Black Lives Matter and and the like, and... What I kind of see going on here, the dynamic here is it's not just, you know, black versus white or anything like that and taking that look at it in, in a racial lens. To me, it's the struggle between radical black activists that were involved in the civil rights movement at that time that were they, they were really the ones that really pushed that movement versus the more toast white liberal mindset. That's what I see here. That's that's what's represented with Cooper and his family. It's like they're they're looking for false comfort. Okay.
0: Yeah, You know, even if a lot of these aspects weren't by design on, on, on you know, Romero's part, I think you see in it kind of what you want to, uh, and there's kind of this unexpected quality of allegory, I guess.
2: Yeah. I mean, going back to what I was saying, like, I mean, if you look at Ben, Dwayne Jones' character... I mean, he's pretty much the one trying to take a direct kind of action against this threat, which, I mean, the the zombies, like, as far as I'm concerned, they symbolize unrest. They symbolize chaos. That's what they are. They're an agent of chaos. And, And that's really what it was at that time. There was a lot of chaos surrounding these movements.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that. That's interesting.
2: And, I mean, even Martin Luther King Jr. said something about, you know, moderate liberals, especially moderate white liberals, being a lot more dangerous to the movement than actual fascist, racist type people at the time. Wow. Yeah. You know...
0: And it's interesting, too, because, you know, like you said, if the zombies represent chaos, then, ghouls. you know, the character Ben yeah, the ghouls, represents
2: yeah, ghouls as it were
0: the ghouls. Yeah. Ghouls. The, the character Ben represents order, and he definitely takes that. I mean, I like how he just sort of takes control. He hops into someone else's house and tells that family what the fuck to do. He's it's like, not- you can go down in the cellar if you're up here. I'm in charge. See, <laughs> it's, it's
2: not so much order that he represents. It's organization that he represents. He's trying okay. to organize a response to this chaos that is happening, this threat, this violence coming from the white supremacist state. I think I noticed that when yeah. he picked up the gun. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Taking control right it. Taking control right away. Exactly. And that's because he's trying to actually organize a direct response to it. Exactly. Meanwhile, Cooper and his family, they're ensconced in their privilege. In the they're, cellar. I, like, I mean, that's what the cellar is. The cellar is the comfort of their own privilege. You know, it's their inability to really see the threat for what it is. Okay. Wow. I mean, if you really look at it from that angle, I mean, it becomes even more pertinent for our time, especially with Black Lives Matter. And I
1: saw that when they were deciding who goes in the cellar and who doesn't, right?
2: Yeah. That's that's stupid. Whether whether or not to even go in the cellar to begin with. That's stupid, though.
1: You're you're basically barricading yourself, though. I mean, there's no exit, you know?
2: I think from a tactical standpoint, I mean, it would have made sense to kind of do a little bit of both, like barricade the windows in the main house, put up a fight if you need to, but as a last resort, go into the fucking cellar. I would just get on the roof with the sniper, right, Bo? Yeah. Although there's a lot of people that also point out that maybe going to the cellar probably would have been a good idea. It would. How thick is that door? I mean, it was barricaded.
1: I mean,
0: in the end, that's what they end up doing. And that's how Ben ends up surviving technically is, you know, once he's forced down the cellar, he barricades it out and then he's good. I mean, he, he survives the night only to get shot right at the end there and mistaken for a zombie. I mean, if that's not just the the craziest ending and if we're, if we're continuing a long allegory that you're describing, That is so pertinent because it's like even after all the sacrifice, even after all of the work that's been done and and all the perseverance, I mean, in the end, it just normally gets shut down by someone who
2: doesn't understand. And how does he meet his end? He meets his end at the hands of a representative of the white authoritarian state. Yeah. He's essentially lynched in a way. There's even that iconography that's kind of invoked in, in
1: the indie. They take his body... In the, the photography ending and they throw them
2: along with the, the ghouls and they burn them. Right. Yeah. And, and that's with a lot of uh, like happy looking, portly white people just kind of standing around taking pictures like yeah. being like,
1: yeah, <laughs> it, was like, it was like a lynching. It was a, a it, Trump straight up. Yeah. A,
2: there, there, there are historic pi- pictures that have that same imagery and it's fucking horrific.
1: You
0: know, he's the he's the final boy, right?
2: <laughs> he is kind of the final boy. Yeah. In a way. I mean, insofar as, you know, zombie movies have final girls and final boys, I mean. Yeah, it's usually a couple or it's just like one final girl, you know. Yeah.
0: Well, it's him and Barbara, and then Barbara gets fucked. <laughs> you realize that you, Barbara is gone. She is taken by the horde, and you're like, okay, I guess it's just been now.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, fitting back into the allegory I was talking about, I mean, Barbara is an interesting character because, to me, she's the normal, apolitical, you know, non- radical person, you know? And she's completely traumatized yeah, by the, gonna, by the chaos. She, she's yeah, yeah. Like, like, she's the the mainstream population, the mainstream idea, our ideal, and
0: that's good because she's not part of the problem, but she's a burden, you know. Yeah, At, she's
2: and, she's in the way. It's like she's in she's
0: shock in the all way the exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah, seeing her brother being taken down, turned into a zombie, a ghoul. Sir.
2: Yeah, that's a crazy scene in its own right. Is I'm just worried
1: about that Pontiac, it, bro. yeah Yeah. like smash the door (laughs) in the fender right ash the door
2: in the fender fuck that that's like the source of barbara's trauma and it's understandable because just imagine you know you're going to a cemetery to pay respects to it was their father right yeah they're paying respects to their father and you know first i mean one second he's just ribbing her and joking with her and everything and then the next second he's having to fight for his fucking life and for his yeah. sister's life and then is killed uh-huh. right in front of her
1: after his Brian Goslin driver gloves comes well
2: no, he doesn't take he him even, off. He has one he has on. Him on the whole time.
0: Did y'all notice how her recounting of the story was completely different to what actually happened in the film?
2: Well, yeah. Hey, by hey, that I mean, point, she's unreliable because she's traumatized. Yeah, me you,
0: she's I mean, you shocked. can
2: you can apply that
0: as a you know retroactive in universe explanation, but I legitimately think that there must have been a script rewrite at some point, <laughs> and then there, it was it wasn't changed. But you know, in universe, it makes sense. I mean, she's traumatized; she doesn't remember what the fuck happened.
1: Did you see how she reacted to her brother when? She saw him as a zombie. Oh, that she, was tragic. She just went with him, right? Out the door. And then you assume she turns into a zombie, of course, right? Or a ghoul.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, she's definitely at least ripped a, apart by the ghouls. Yeah. You know. Her brother
1: comes back, and that's her last chance of seeing her brother again, right?
2: Yeah. But also, it it furthers her trauma as well. Because not only did she watch him die once, I mean, now she's having to see him reanimated. She's having to see him as a ghoul.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, it gets me, you know, there's that one part that gets me where Helen is being killed by the reanimated daughter, you know, and as a parent, I mean, that really strikes me because how horrible is it to, you know, not only know that your child's gone, I mean, they're dead, but... They're attacking you. I mean, you don't want to be in the position to have to murder your child even though they're a zombie. I mean, we make those kind of rationalizations and we think, Oh yeah, that's not my kid anymore. But think about how traumatic that would be, you know, as a parent. I you know, I can imagine as a parent.
2: <laughs> yeah. They- oh yeah. I mean, she she died in absolute terror. Because of she that. just
0: kind of let herself go. I mean, being and you don't blame her. She's completely traumatized, and yeah, you're right. She just let herself go. I mean, what was she gonna do? You know, I,
2: what could she do? Honestly,
0: I, I think that there's definitely some. What's the word? It, it's alluded to that I, I think that there's probably some. Domestic violence going around. If not that, then at least you know the father is is the figure of the house, and he kind of you know controls everything that's going on. So you know, add add that onto her plate. Did y'all get those vibes with Harry Cooper? I mean,
2: oh, definitely. Yeah, he's definitely extremely patriarchal in his relationship. Definitely, definitely a Fox News kind of guy. Oh yeah, total Fox News guy. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Maybe not an actual domestic abuser, but there's definitely that sense of like, I'm the figure of the, I mean, we all know, you know, father figures that are like that. You know, what's interesting is to see, you know, just him getting put in his place by Ben.
2: <laughs> oh, constantly. Yeah. I mean, their conflict is really what drives a lot of the movie. And, and and that that's, of course, the central theme here is conflict. And this movie, it actually became a series of movies. The second movie is also seen as a historically and culturally relevant film. It's also got its own level of social commentary going on with it. That's uh, Dawn of the Dead, of course. Dawn of the Dead, yeah. yeah. I mean, we might go ahead and save a more in-depth analysis of that movie for an actual episode, but... Yeah, and that movie, the actual themes are actually a little more blatant, even though Romero was still kind of coy about it and still claiming that, no, 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 we just wanted to make a fun, dumb, gory zombie movie. But, I mean, what that movie has to say about consumerism and about the emptiness of capitalist materialism is just spot on, you know?
0: You know what? I think that that was the message of Poultry Guys' Night of the Chicken Dead. Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh dude. that yeah that movie is a all time classic. What do you think? <laughs> that movie's great. Yeah. That movie is amazing. Fucking well, amazing. go check out our
0: Patreon exclusive commentary on that one. That's
1: out.
2: Yeah, that'll that'll be out very soon. I'll have that out sometime this month. And yeah, definitely check out our Patreon. And check out probably, Poultry probably- Guys' Night of the Chicken Dead. Yeah, definitely check that movie out.
0: You should have that out by Halloween, you know, just kind of a.
2: Yeah, I, I sh- I'll I'll try to have it out by Halloween. But yeah, Dawn of the Dead is an all time classic. It's required viewing in many ways. Many people even see it as superior to the original. What do you think, Robert? Uh, you, superior to the original? Yeah, you're
1: right. Definitely, because in many ways the original holds up to this day. Even you know, watching the remake from like what 89 with the uh, the Candyman, uh Oh, with Tony Todd, Tony and, Todd and it was directed I mean,
2: by Tom Savini? Yeah, the
1: Tom Savini one, dude. I liked that one, but, you know, there's nothing like the original, you know? You can always go back to that one.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the original can really work as its own standalone movie. That's what's really great about Even it. Even though, remember, the Tom Savini one was a different ending. Yeah, and it also yeah. had a different characterization for Barbara
1: as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, doesn't she end up being the survivor at the end?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, she's the survivor at the end, and I think Ben ends up being a zombie. He becomes zombified. Yeah. So they kind of made it a little more justified in shooting him, kind of. Justifiable homicide. I don't
0: know. I like the way this one ends because it's so poignant. It's just, you know, and and it's so quick, and it's done just very, what's the word? Not casual.
2: Very nihilistically, I would say. And it
1: ends yeah, with a credits list. Yeah, just yeah. not
0: nonchalantly.
1: You know, it's yeah. just done.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's like I mean, it just shows how cheap life has has become because of this monumental event. I mean, you know, isn't once, that
0: a little it, bit? Um, isn't that a little bit relevant to our our particular situation?
2: I was about to say that actually. Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting movie to be talking about when it comes to the pandemic, the COVID yeah. situation. Yeah. I mean, how do you think most of today's people would actually respond to a zombie apocalypse like this? Oh,
0: well, if they respond the same way they respond to wearing fucking masks
1: and toilet
2: paper. Yeah, we'd be doomed. We'd be so those are the
0: people that would leave other people behind for the zombies. 100%. But I already know who you are. Here's
2: the other flip side of that. Those are also the same people that would go out into a huge hunting posse and go out just to shoot zombies and whatnot and die. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. They, they, they're They. exactly the type of people that would do that.
1: Fucking white people.
0: Oh, my God. I know.
2: <laughs>
1: Damn it. The South will rise again.
2: Oh, God. But, yeah, the, the movie after Dawn of the Dead is also very interesting, and I, I think maybe in that one maybe Romero was a little more upfront about the meaning behind it, and that's Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead is – Really, really classic in that it has some excellent gore effects. It has an incredibly tense scenario where you pretty much have like the last remnants of the military and of the scientific uh, community trying to figure this shit out. And they it's just not fucking working at all for them.
0: And it, You know, speaking of the scientific community, I like how this movie ultimately is space zombies. Yeah,
2: uh, it I, pretty much is. Yeah, it's space zombies.
0: The, the root cause, you know, or the, the theorized
2: meteor, um, uh, yeah.
0: cause of all of this was was radiation, radiation from, from Venus, right? Meteor.
2: It was either from a meteor or from a satellite that crashed into Earth. Sputnik. Yeah, and yeah, yeah that, that may have been a little bit of a reference to Sputnik, probably, yeah. or to some other Russian satellite or the blow. Yeah, it was only
0: a, it was a space up. probe on its way back from Venus. See, I knew Venus was part of it. Oh, okay, there you go. Sputnik.
2: yeah. Yeah, there you go. And yeah, I mean that—that that just kind of speaks to the B movie sci-fi horror film that Romero was trying to make here. You know, in the time I just- period. Yeah, At its core, that's exactly what this is.
0: I mean, think about it. This was right but right when we were actually starting to explore. I mean, think about this was a year before we sent man to the moon, right? So yeah. I mean, humans were were, you know, sending probes out and we were having some missions and stuff. So, you know, that was a very it was a big unknown at the time. It was a you know, it, it's very analogous to the way that we view technology and social media today in popular culture, you know, as this thing that could be dangerous, could have some consequences. So, you know, it's kind of a catch all for, you know, unknown, you know, doom, doomsday events, you know, is it's probably going to be from outer spaces. We're going to probe too far, you know.
3: Welcome to a night of total terror. <laughs> night of the living dead the dead who live on living flesh the dead whose haunted souls hunt the living the living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures Our adventure in fear. An experience in shock, more shattering than your strangest nightmare. Night of the living dead. A night with the dead who cannot die. A night of total terror. of the living dead.
2: Yeah, yeah, probably. I can totally see that. I mean, that, that was a constant theme throughout a lot of sci-fi and horror from this particular era, you know, like, like even if you look at something like The Thing from Another World. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Yeah, that kind of has the same vibe to it a little bit. I, I would say, I, I, it, did, did that movie come out before this? Like way before this, right? I think from another world. Uh, was that the 50s? Yeah, I think like I don't know. 40, what it was 47? the 40s and 50s. 47. Do you think that 49? that movie could have had an influence on this? Yeah, in many
1: ways. Yeah, in many it had ways. To, yeah, it had to have.
2: because I mean that involved a virulent space influenced you know agent that would completely overtake humankind.
1: And we we forget
2: the the
1: last man on earth story.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, if
1: it's in price. And,
2: and, yeah. and this
0: was influenced by I don't know if I if I said this on the podcast or before we started recording, but I mentioned to you guys earlier that this was influenced by I Am Legend, the original novel.
2: That that's arguably the original zombie story.
0: Except it's actually a vampire story. Yeah, yeah that's right.
2: They're vampires.
0: Yeah. yeah. The Will Smith version actually changed it to what was, you know, kind of more of conventional zombies. But even then in that movie, they're a little bit different, I think.
1: They're very um, different. Less, yeah. less, more but, animated. Yeah. I don't
0: know. But yeah, I mean, th- this movie is that was actually somewhat inspired by I Am Legend, the novel, interestingly enough.
1: Which is a film that came out in 2007. So check that out.
2: Yeah. And it had a way better ending than it got. Way better ending. I like
1: the. But are you- uh, sorry. I like the Shelby Mustang in the beginning. Remember that? <laughs> of course you're going to like Shelby. the
2: car in the movie. Of course, who wouldn't like the fucking car? Wouldn't like the fucking car. Of course like you're going to like that. 500 horsepower Shelby, supercharged, bro.
0: So you said we had Day of the Dead and then what else from Romero's dead films?
2: Yeah. After that, the next Romero-led living dead movie wouldn't come out until like the late 2000s, right? With well, Land of the Dead or was it Diary of the Dead that came out? Diary of the yeah, I think dead. it was Land
0: of, Land of the Dead, then Diary. Land yeah, of, at least it was
2: Land of the Dead. Land yeah. of the Dead was
1: like 2005 or six, right? 2006.
2: Oh, okay. okay.
1: Leguizamo and Dennis Hopper, right? Yeah, that's and that's
2: pretty crazy that you had Leguizamo and Hopper in a movie. The Mario
1: Bros, right?
2: Yeah. I know. Yeah, what the fuck is that? They meet again. And it was in a George Romero movie. Nice.
1: Yeah, go check out a Super
0: Mario Brothers episode.
2: Oh, yeah. You definitely want to plug that one. Definitely do it now, but yeah, I really haven't seen Land of the Dead or Diary of the Dead, Robert. What, what do you, what are your thoughts on those movies and how they stand in this whole series of uh, movies? Land of the Dead is not bad. It's, it's almost like Return
1: of the Living Dead. You know that sh- whole shopping mall scenario in the eighties, oh, right? Oh you know yeah, I mean? yeah.
2: That's that's Dawn of the Dead with yeah, the shopping that, that's mall.
1: That one, but in Land of the Dead, they live in a shopping building.
2: Oh okay, and. You know everybody else
1: outside, they're like street urchins, right? And oh then, wow! And then Dennis Hopper owns the buildings, like the main right? They're all doing jobs for him,
2: <laughs> so he's kind of like a warlord in yeah,
1: a way. Exactly. Do Do Ramirez of the Dead movies all take place in the same
0: continuity? Or
1: yeah, they should, right? Yeah, just less Men on Earth
2: scenario. Yeah. Didn't Land of the Dead have a whole thing with the zombies where there was one that was becoming like a leader? Yeah, he was getting smarter. And that's interesting because that plays into something that was in Day of the Dead, which was the concept of zombies actually kind of regaining a little bit of consciousness a little bit. Like there was Bub, the the main zombie of that movie. And he was pretty much, you know, he, he was a lot more chill out he wouldn't like attack you not not unless you did anything he, he even shot the main villain of the main antagonist of that movie with a gun because apparently he yeah. had like some type of military background and everything he even saluted the, the, the colonel like whenever he shoots him and kills him I mean that kind of ties back into that and, and the idea of a singular zombie just kind of rising up becoming like a Spartacus amongst the zombies I mean that's compelling I'd say so yeah. How many, how and then many was um, what,
0: uh, Survival of the Dead, right? Right after Land and Diary. Remember the Goosebumps? What yep.
2: was it? Uh, well, hold on. Wasn't Diary of the Dead like uh, the found footage movie that Romero did?
1: I've never seen that one.
2: you never seen that one? Uh, yeah, I heard that that's, what he, that that's the angle he went with with Diary of the Dead, is that it's footage. literally a found footage movie, pretty much. Which makes sense. At the time, I mean, paranormal activity was becoming a huge thing. Which is that that pretty that's pretty much the series that kind of drove the whole found, found footage. footage genre into the ground a little bit. You know, yeah. a, after some promising movies Blair that, Witch, yeah, Blair Witch, of course, or or like Cloverfield, Cloverfield. Yeah. or, you know,
1: there's like three Cloverfields, right? It's
2: crazy. Yeah. But only one of them is a found footage movie. And that's the first one. Yeah. But what, what was the last movie? It was Survival of the Dead. I never yeah, even saw what that it one. Yeah either. That may have been the last movie that Romero ever actually worked on because unfortunately he passed away about a year or two ago right? It it was a couple of years ago at least.
0: Those three were done in 05, 07 and 09
2: Oh wow. Okay. I'm pretty sure yeah that was pretty much the the last of his output in that series
0: Yeah this was the last film to be directed by Romero before his death in 2017. There you go.
2: 2017. God damn. It feels like just yesterday that he passed, man. Damn. Shit feels like just yesterday that we lost Wes Craven. It was twenty fifteen, right? Shit, Toby Hooper is dead. Dead. Jonathan Demme. Fucking who else? Who else? Fucking William Friedkin, right? Damn. Sucks
1: that he said Wes Craven. When you go oh, back. there's
2: so many fucking directors from the eighties that are dead now. It sucks. Fuck, man. Fuck, fuck. All right. <laughs> yeah. But this movie. Like I said before, it's timeless while still being a product of its time. But it's amazing how well it holds up. I mean, especially since you have two different versions of this movie. You have the original black and white version, and then you have the more modern colorized version, which you can find on Netflix right now. Now, Ash, I don't think that you actually watched the colorized version, right?
0: No, I watched the black and white because that's what happened to be on the, the service that I was watching this through. I was watching this on Plex.
2: Yeah, it's good. It's good to see this movie first with the original gritty black and white. You have to see it on black and white first. Yeah, I
0: think so. I think I kind of appreciated it that way. Yeah, I mean, I have it on the TV right now, too. And there's just a certain feel to this that I think that that tone represents. You know what I was thinking while I was watching this, okay? I would love to see a video game adaptation of this movie done kind of in the style of Resident Evil 7, less action-y and more just kind of survival horror exploration with, you know, some action elements. I think could be really, really cool. And just a direct adaptation with some minor changes to make it more, yeah. you know, playable.
2: And, and, and you keep it within the time frame of the late 60s as well. Like, right, exactly.
0: And... Just like how Ghost of Tsushima has a Kurosawa mode, which has, you know, shows the, the film in black and white with that grainy texture, this game should also have a filter which would allow you to play it with the original black and white, you know, kind of grainy feel. At least that's what I would do. I thought, I thought, thought that would be badass. I saw a lot of opportunity for that.
2: But yeah, this movie still holds up amazingly well to this day. And just the fact that it created this genre that to this day is still being drawn from in horror and in popular culture. I mean, there's so many zombie movies that are kind of unique in their own right.
1: Like Shaun of the Dead.
2: Like like Shaun of the Dead, which is very much almost a deconstruction of the zombie movie in a comedic sense.
0: I love Shaun of the Dead.
2: (laughs) What I love about that movie is that it remains humorous, but it still has all of... There's still a, a serious zombie movie there. You know,
0: I mean, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are just kind of this duo that very much like Seth Rogen and James Franco, like anything that you see them in together is going to be good.
2: Oh, it is. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be fucking amazing. By the way,
0: just hint, hint, something we'll be doing later this season involving, that's all we're going to tell you now, involving Rogen and Franco. So just. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Stay tuned
2: for that. But yeah, I mean, also Return of the Living Dead. That's an all time classic. I mean. That's actually what established the whole zombies eating brains trope.
0: That's what it was. Okay. And yeah. then that was more of like an alternate continuity from Dawn of the Dead, like an alternate sequel done by the other co-writer, right?
2: But what happened in that movie is Night of the Living Dead supposedly actually happened. And the remnants of that zombie outbreak is being held in that storage facility, mm. that warehouse. Right. Yeah.
0: So it's an alternate sequel. You know, both movies serve as sequels to Night of the Living Dead, just in separate continuities.
2: Now, what's interesting about that is how that segues into the Italian zombie phase, because Zombie 2, written and directed by Lucio Fulci, like that was pretty much supposed to be a direct sequel to Night of the Living Dead. It was supposed to be a direct an actual direct sequel. And it came out around the same time that Dawn of the Dead came out. Okay. Well, you know, now
0: Night of the Living Dead is also in the public domain. So since then, we've gotten a lot of spinoff sequels, remakes, reboots. I mean, (laughs) I want to
2: talk about the Italian zombie movies in particular because they had a different flavor of zombie. Like Burial Ground. Burial Ground. And like uh, The Blind Dead, to a degree. I think that's Spanish, though. But Italian zombies, they're a lot more... Corpsey, you know? They're a lot more like decomposed. Yeah, you can see maggots. On you everything. can see maggots worms, and worms dude. coming out of them, and they're usually coming straight out of the ground. Yeah. Like, they, they just slowly real. come out of the ground. Nice. And, I mean, it's still pretty much the same lore, you know? Zombie bites you, you get infected, you turn into a zombie and yeah. all that, but in most of those movies, especially like in Zombie 2, the zombies are even slower than they are in Night of the Living Dead. They're way slower, right, Robert? Yeah, I
1: mean, get your fast zombies from uh, Resident Evil. Right, and right. What was that other zombie movie? It was a Goosebumps film, right? What was it? I don't
2: really remember a Welcome lot. Welcome to Dead House. Oh. Okay, yeah, there you remember go. Remember that, dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was like
1: this. It was, was kind of like the take from George Romero, right? Yeah. And of course, there was for zombies to
0: be slow because they're decomposing, you know, they're 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 dead bodies that whose uh, ligaments and and nerves aren't all right. All there. (laughs) You would think eventually the zombie problem might take care of itself because they would just sort of die out if the humans could prevent themselves from getting killed, I guess. Well,
2: yeah, you have to remember, I mean, that a zombie is just a human corpse, you know, and human corpses, what do they do? Decompose, they decompose, decompose, they degrade. They, they even, and, and they will do so differently depending on what region or climate that they're in. Like, like for instance, I mean, one thing that dead bodies tend to have a propensity to do is build up gases and explode sometimes. <laughs> so, in hotter weather, that's probably what you're going to have. You're going to have literal exploding zombies. You know, they kind of did that with The Last of Us Part
0: Two. but yeah. The Last of Us Part 2 they're not actually proper zombies. They're uh, the cordyceps infection, which is a real-life, like, fungus that, yeah. like, That's a real thing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So they actually did incorporate that. And in part two, I believe with the fourth stage of infection being different with there's bloaters in the original and then the other one has shamblers. And because they're in more humid climates, they actually explode.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And I think that in left for dead, they also had something similar to that as well. But I mean, also like up in like more Arctic regions, it's like, you're going to have, Zombies succumbing to frostbite and the degradation that comes with that. I mean, honestly, a zombie outbreak could probably peter out pretty fucking quickly. It, it probably COVID zombies. Oh, yeah. I mean, there is a COVID zombies movie, but that's a whole <laughs> so, nother. Cannibal. Nice. I haven't seen it. Yeah. And of course, it's full moon, full moon features that did it. Yeah.
0: Well, they they sure capitalized on that pretty quick.
2: <laughs> oh, they, they capitalized on Tiger King and the murder hornets as well. Oh, God. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> They capitalized on all of that.
0: Fuck yeah, I want to watch that now.
2: <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Cinema Snob has an episode on all of that. It's fucking intense.
0: Y'all were watching the Nostalgia Critic review of this
1: one, right? Not yeah, it was hilarious. Dead.
2: Yeah, he, he focused more on kind of ragging on it because he was like, yeah, this is a an undisputed classic. This helped like, change horror. It, it's a game changer, but there's some silly shit in here to make fun of, yeah. you know? And yeah, it has a lot of the horror conventions of its time, of the sci-fi conventions of its time as well.
0: I mean, you it's know? not really scary when you watch it, not by, you know, most standards of today, but, I mean, there are some moments that are definitely... I think more so, it, it's suspenseful, and it's very tense. Yeah, see, um, if you were and, a there's kid... There's a sort of atmosphere...
1: Go if ahead. you were a kid in the 1970s, it would scare the shit out of you, you know? Yeah,
2: And by that that point, you would have already had Dawn of the Dead out, which was a way more graphic movie.
0: I think we've just been desensitized to a lot of it. But even so, I mean, it it is spooky in a sense whenever these, you know, you'll go through a portion of the movie with just normal proceedings, humans fighting each other. And then boom, all of a sudden, you know, something that's kind of a little freaky. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, nothing's more harrowing than seeing the little girl, the Cooper's daughter, you know, reanimated and, and feasting on her father. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's <laughs> hardcore right there, Chills man. was the mother with a was that, shovel? Or? A, a little uh, spade. That's what yeah. that is. Like cement It's a gardening, s- it's yeah. a gardening spade. Whoa, that's dude. Is. Yeah, that, that's interesting in its own right, being murdered by a tool that is typically seen as a feminine pursuit, you know, gardening. I think it was sharp, dude. Oh, it was. Very <laughs> much so.
3: Well, you used to really be scared here. Johnny. You're still afraid.
2: I think it's about time that we go ahead and start wrapping things up robert you're the one who chose this movie i'm gonna go ahead and ask you for your final thoughts first The final thoughts oh yeah
0: also get in the frame robert get in the frame robert
2: i can't you can't yes you can you can't (laughs) on this podcast come on now it's right there yeah what do you think robert what are your final thoughts final
1: thoughts about this movie i think you know every halloween it's plain. You should be watching it along with the Halloween marathons, right? Yeah. And, you know, just get ready to go trick-or-treating with your kids if you got kids, blah, blah, blah. For what this movie did, it did a lot for a lot of young independent filmmakers, you know, especially coming right out of 68.
2: Yeah, this this was an independent movie for its time. Yeah, very independent Yeah, it seems seems like a lot of the best horror movies, you know, they start out that way. I mean, Halloween was an independent movie.
1: Yeah, that was mostly Carpenter's first project at a a film school. Oh, yeah. And, of course, Donald Pleasance was his main actor. He starred with McQueen. He's been on Goldeneye, you know, or what was that? Dr. No
2: or something? Dr. No, yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. With Sean Connery.
1: So, still a major star, and that movie was made for Pleasance, God rest his soul.
2: But what do you think of the legacy of this movie in regards to horror? God, this thing, it's still going to this day with the
1: video games and what is that, The Walking Dead? We're going into like the 10th season or something.
2: Yeah, I think we're about to get into the final season of that here pretty soon. It did a
1: lot for us. It did. Yeah, I mean the the idea of it and the whole apocalypse thing is just you know, it's damn good. I don't know.
2: Ash, what are your final thoughts?
1: Oh, I mean
2: as, you
0: know, I'm glad that I got to see this for the first time, you know, as the progenitor of the zombie pop culture phenomenon, you know, uh, and that extends beyond film. That extends beyond the world of cinema. I mean, we're now, like you guys said, we have video games, we have books, and, and TV shows, and comics, and mm-hmm. you know, stage plays and musicals. I mean, everything you can think of. Zombies are, you know, there's no other way to say it than, other than a pop culture phenomenon. And that all owes with that. It's
1: a way of life, like the Terminators.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah,
0: I mean, it yeah, all owes back to Romero's original work. And, you know, he was just kind of making a, you know, a cheesy B movie or so he says, you know, to see the amount. And I'm glad that he, you know, was around long enough to see what his work would become, because there's not a single American. There's not a single person in the, in the developed world that doesn't know what a zombie is. So I, I, I think that that's especially poignant. And, I, you know, another point I would like to make is, you know. Folks, make sure that this Halloween y'all are safe. You know, there's definitely, we've got a lot of shit going on right now. So whatever you're going to do, just make sure that you're safe about it and have a happy Halloween.
2: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Those are words of wisdom right there. I would say Now, my final thoughts on this movie is the legacy of this movie is still being felt in, not just in pop culture, but in horror itself. Like, to this day. I mean, especially what it did for bringing really gory cinema to the forefront for the first time. I mean, this was not rated. This was an unrated movie. And it it flew right in the face of the Hays Code, which had been, you know, used in Hollywood for many, many years. It flew in the face of that. And, I mean, it pretty much changed the way that we view what is actually scary and terrifying. And... I mean this is a movie that's on the Criterion collection. Like it, it and it's still a public domain movie. Yeah. You know? And
0: it's part of the uh I was going to say that I forgot that it's a, a member of the National Film Registry and he, yeah. uh, Robert wrote that on the itinerary. Yeah, it's also yeah, so, it's also in
2: the Library of Congress as well. Yeah. Definitely. Right. I mean th- this is an important work that I mean anybody who is into horror in any way, they need to see this movie. It's pretty much essential. But you know I mean, the social commentary is palpable, even though uh, that wasn't Romero's actual intention. But just the fact that you can make so many different interpretations of this movie, it's just a testament to Romero's writing, to his directing and his directorial choices. I mean, he made one of the most impactful movies of the 20th century. So, I mean, what else is there to say? I mean, really? Hmm. Yeah. He's the man. He is the man. The man, bro. Yeah, but those are my final thoughts on Night of the Living Dead, and definitely please be safe this Halloween. Have as much fun as you can. I mean, just dress up if you need to. I don't know if trick-or-treating is a good idea or not. No. Probably not, but I mean, just have a happy, safe Halloween, and now... We are going to go into our plugs. So this time we're going to start with Robert. You have a short film to plug,
1: right? Yeah, it's Killing Night. And you can find that on YouTube and maybe subscribe to my channel if you can.
2: Yeah. We'll we'll include the link in the show notes to your channel. And I think we're going to also try to put it on the Collateral Cinema YouTube channel.
1: Yeah, you can find it on uh, Facebook, Collateral Cinema Facebook page, my page
2: and check out the instagram on igtv yeah right on well all right yeah and 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 it stars yours truly yours truly i mean introducing bo maddox second lead (laughs) yeah that that's it's a good short film it's a little rough around the edges but check it out folks i mean we put some work into it It took a while and it's
1: horror and it's horror yeah Yeah. we we were sitting on it for a while so glad it's out now
2: now ash go ahead make your
1: plugs
0: all right, well, if you love movies and you love video games as well, be sure to check out Collateral Gaming video game podcast, the sister podcast of Collateral Cinema. We're going to have our Halloween special out on Until Dawn, um, and we're also going to have a Halloween-themed bonus round episode as well, as I assume y'all are going to have more of a, like a Halloween-themed director's cut.
2: Definitely, um, yeah, That that's going to be forthcoming here very soon.
0: Right, right. So, yeah, definitely check that out. Our season premiere on Majora's Mask will obviously have already been out. That'll have been our previous episode. And we'll, speaking of zombies, I mean, we're going to be actually talking about The Last of Us Part 2 in November. That'll be our next episode after the Halloween. So, stay tuned for all of that. And make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, both Collateral Gaming and Collateral Cinema. Reach out to us on social media. You can definitely friend me or follow me. I pretty much accept all requests, Ashley Allen Chancellor. And definitely check out, you know, both the Collateral Cinema and Collateral Gaming pages. Subscribe to our Patreons.
2: Yeah, definitely our, on our Patreons. We're going to have the Night of the Chicken Dead, Poultrygeist commentary up there very soon best episode yet so best commentary yet yeah definitely and yeah you can find us on facebook on twitter on podbean chill lover radio instagram you can find us as we said on patreon and also look for us on what else on spotify as well and apple podcast Leave us a five-star review there. And leave us a five-star review on Podchaser as well. That will help us out tremendously. I see that we're kind of charting in other countries a little bit. So we appreciate all of the listeners uh, overseas. And also become a follower on Twitter. We're trying to get up to at least 5,000 followers. That's kind of where Twitter starts taking some notice in the algorithms of your channel or whatever. So yeah, follow us there, become a patron on Patreon and yeah, check us out wherever you get your podcasts.
0: For our American listeners, hey, right around this time, voting's right around the corner. So go vote. Go vote.
2: Definitely. Unless you're voting
0: for Donald Trump, don't go vote.
2: Yeah. Stay home. (laughs) Anyway, let's go ahead and end this episode. Happy Halloween, everybody! I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Ortegon.
0: And I'm Ashley Chancellor.
2: And this was Collateral Cinema. Check y'all later. Peace out. Bye. Oh. Cinema is an L Company production. All music and movie clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.